you're listening to insuranceradio.com. We sit down for personal conversations with the top insurance and financial advisors, executives, and regulators. Listen in to learn more about their ideas and personal stories at insuranceradio.com. Our guest is Sharon Clark, who is the insurance commissioner of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Commissioner Clark was appointed to the post in 2008 and again in 2012. Prior to becoming commissioner, she was the first director of the Consumer Protection and Education Division of that department, a position that she held for five years. Clark served as the chair of the Kentucky Health Benefit Exchange Advisory Board during its inaugural year and continues as a board member. On a national level, she is the vice president of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. She is also past secretary treasurer of the National Insurance Producer Registry Board of Directors and is the interim chair of the Surplus Lines Multi-State Compliance Compact. Prior to being appointed commissioner, she worked at the Kentucky Finance and Administration Cabinet. She also held positions for the Kentucky House of Representatives, the Public Service Commission, and the former Workforce Development Cabinet. Clark earned both her bachelor's and master's degrees from the University of Kentucky. Our conversation took place in the lobby of the Crown Center Hotel in Kansas City at the 2015 NAIC EREG conference, where the sound capture was not as sharp as we would like it to be on our podcast. We ask for your understanding as we listen to her story and the important work she is doing to protect consumers in Kentucky. We began our visit with me asking her about growing up on a farm near Harrodsburg, Kentucky. It was uh, a dairy farm. We milked about 65 head of uh, cattle, and uh, we also raised tobacco and had hay and um, uh, just the general hard-working family farm. So in uh, milking cows, uh, what time do you have to get up to, to, to milk cows? Well, the uh, alarm clock, also known as my father at the time, would yell for the kids to get up, and it was probably uh, 24, 35, sometime around that time. Now, I presume you had some brothers if you were doing some hay, and uh, that's not something usually the daughter does uh, unless it's driving the truck. Uh, uh, you had some brothers to do we hay. were equal opportunity families. So, yes, I do have three brothers, but uh, I would get out there. I would sometimes drive the tractor, but I've also been known to rick some hay as well. So, Was there a, a particular dirty job that you had uh, growing up that, uh, that uh, when you were doing it you thought, my gosh, I'm going to pay attention in school so I don't have to do this when I grow up? It was never uh, fun cleaning out the horse stalls, mucking the stalls, but it was a necessary task. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what advice did your mom and dad give you when you uh, got uh, ready? To, you graduated from high school and went off uh, on your own. Uh, do you recall any particular advice or any guidance <clears throat> that they gave you that uh, you found that you still follow today? Well, I think the guidance was more on a day-to-day basis, all while we were growing up, and not any particular advice at you know at high school graduation. But the one thing I'm so proud of my parents—they instilled a work ethic in all of us. It was. Uh, something that's still treasure. Yeah, yeah. Now, you were appointed, uh, when you were first appointed to uh, the commissioner of uh, Kentucky, were you excited or were you terrified of the proposition? Oh, no, I was very happy and excited. I had previously worked there for about seven years, and so it's like I was coming back home. And, uh, in fact, a lot of the staff was still there that that I'd worked with previously. And 
I think they were happy to see me, uh, maybe because I was a known factor as opposed to a uh, you know, new commissioner that they weren't familiar with. But it was, no, that's a feeling I used like going home. Yeah. Now you had some experience in earlier uh, government service and other departments. What maybe best prepared you uh, in those other positions to, to when you became commissioner? Well, I think you make a nat uh, natural progression, you know, through and you gain skills in each job. Um, so I took away something from each one of it, you know, whether it was working with other folks, communication skills. Uh, it was particularly invigorating working with uh, the House of Representatives. I was chief of staff over there, and it was uh, wide exposure to many, many issues. So um, it, it all kind of builds upon itself. Yeah. Now, now most, of course, producers understand what the mission of the department is, and many consumers often don't know that, maybe forget that they have a commissioner of insurance. But what's, what is, uh, mind our listening audience, what's the primary objective of the commission uh, in, in Kentucky for uh, regulating insurance? Ours is strictly to protect the consumer and protect their rights, and uh, we primarily do that through maintaining the financial solvency of companies. Of course, uh, the uh, commissioner uh, uh, has the regulatory uh, activity and enforcement activity. Uh, what's the thing that requires your continuous attention, attention at the department? Well, I'll tell you what, it can vary. Uh, I've recently been monitoring. We had quite a bit of uh, storms over the weekend. So it could be at the moment, it could be, you know, a natural disaster or whatever. But uh, the day-to-day -day aspect of it, I think, is uh, just, again, getting back to making sure our consumers are addressed, that the companies are doing, uh, taking proper action that they should, that they're maintaining solvency. It's, uh, that would be the day-to-day -day meat and potatoes, if you would have, right. but then we always have extras that are thrown in there. Now, do you have a, nat a disaster team, or what? how does the department respond or react when you come to tornadoes or floods? or? or things that really impact uh, large communities. We literally go on site and walk door to door. And as commissioner, I will still do that with my folks. I think it's probably the most, I don't want to say rewarding, but it is, you know, it's really getting down to the gist of what our responsibility is. And um, it was something that we started when I was director of consumer protection. and. Uh, to this day, uh, we we do so quite well. We've been challenged before. Back in 2012, we had 13 different tornadoes to strike in Kentucky. Uh -huh. So, in our disaster consumer protection division, there wasn't enough folks, obviously, to go out in the field and, and whatever. So, we were pulling people from all over the department, uh -huh. and I think it gave them a good insight too. You know, you lose touch sometimes if you work in rate and form filings or if you work in agent licensing, but literally when you go out, you're walking door to door and, mm -hmm. and seeing the devastation and the uh, the impact on people's lives, it brings back the mission yeah. of the department. Do you find uh, people with uh, ill intent or fraudulent intent uh, follow disasters like that sure. to prey on people? Sure, sure they do. And uh, particularly, you know, with the roofing industry, you know, well, there will be uh, uh, charlatans that come in. and We always take that as part of our, that we're warning people about you know, those type of activities. And we work very closely with our local officials when a disaster strikes. We do the outreach to them and keep them involved, making sure that, you know, they're knowing about best practices. So uh, it's a combined effort. And the industry, I'm really proud. Uh, I have never really been at a disaster where I've had a lot of issues with the lack of industry response. And so that is, uh, you know, it's always... You know, you talk about as a regulator, sometimes you're criticizing companies, but I also want to give them a pat on the back when 
they're stepping up the plate. And also, the, that's a good time when you see clearly the agents uh, that are stepping forward. I've known agents in Kentucky. There was one one time when I was in this area, and the agent was out there in his personal vehicle helping his customers, you know, load up what they could salvage and uh, just that attention that was given. And so it's a time they really can shine with that relationship. When you uh, detect or suspect that there may be fraud happening, what's the process for identifying and, and uh, uh, gathering evidence or holding accountable or prosecution? Do you, what's the process for the department? Well, are you yeah. t you're talking about general fraud as opposed to yes. it with a disaster. Well, we have yeah. a fraud division that is uh, full, has full police powers. And in fact, I even have a badge. That's, I think, one of the most impressive things to my grandchild. And, you know, their their grandmom's got a you know badge that she can. But we, um, you know, we receive referrals obviously from companies when there is suspected fraud, and also from other agents from the marketplace. And we put together the cases on that. Our team has been very successful. We put together a uh, complete prosecutor's book. And I can tell you in my tenure that I've been there, every case that we've taken to the uh, Commonwealth Attorney has been able to be successfully prosecuted. So we're yeah. proud of that initiative. Yeah. But, you know, fraud is its an aspect that just affects everybody. Yeah. And, you know, it drives up the cost of premiums. And so people have to be cognizant of it and mm -hmm. uh, appreciate the effect that it can have. Yeah. Well, health insurance, obviously, we've been through quite a, a rough and tumble here the last couple of years. What's the status of your health insurance uh, exchange market and uh, access uh, there in, in Kentucky now? We've been very successful, and I think that's one of the best accomplishments of the department. Um, when the Affordable Care Act you know, hit, we were scrambling like every state because there were so many tight deadlines and things had to be done in such a very prompt fashion, and, and we really stepped up the plate, and literally I can say we spent thousands of hours on this in, in helping the exchange be built in Kentucky, and, and it has been successful. And uh, does it still have a few you know problems? Sure, all of them do, and I'm not going to say that it's perfect, but uh, we work closely with our sister agencies. We work closely with our stakeholders, our doctors and hospitals, our agents, uh, our companies, uh, all of them, in you know, getting their desires and their wishes made, and I think that is attributed to success. We have had a few companies to come back, which has been positive, and uh, we are rolling along with yeah. the exchange. Yeah. Any chance I can get you to weigh in on your forecast of what's going to happen with the Supreme Court, uh, Burwell King versus Burwell? Uh, well, we recently were at our commissioner's flying last week, and I met with several of our congressmen from the United States, and I had one that described it uh, in a unique fashion. He said he thought it would be an intellectual atrocity if the Supreme Court uh, ruled uh, against the subsidies. Um, I think we all know what the legislative intent was, but, uh, you know, I guess it remains to be seen. Fortunately, in Kentucky, with us having a state-based exchange, that is not going to have an impact on us. But I know that my fellow commissioners and regulators across the country are watching it closely, as we all are, and are trying to think about ahead what, you know, what possibilities yeah. can happen and yeah. how we can try to maintain those subsidies for yeah. folks. The uh, uh, transitioning a little bit to another topic of ride-sharing, I know this yes. is uh, something that we read about uh, we're here at the E-Reg conference in Kansas City, and it's probably in the paper every morning about 
Kansas City allowing uh, one of the rideshare companies under the Kansas mm -hmm. legislature. Uh, do, have you had in Kentucky legislation pass, or how have you dealt with this ride-sharing concept? It's, it, primarily it's an issue for our transportation cabinet because they have delivery statutes in their uh, book of business. But our concern has been, obviously, on the insurance coverage and making sure that folks are protected. There was enabling legislation in our uh, session that just recently uh, closed that is going to enable us to do, uh, with the transportation cabinet, regulations that will impact that. And what we intend to do is that we are going to have a very definitive bright line of when the application is turned on, that there will be a level of coverage that exceeds and beyond the personal lines. So if you would, you know, you have your personal lines coverage when you're just driving it for personal business. The application's mm -hmm. turned on, there's going to be one level of coverage that's going to be provided by the ride-sharing companies. And then obviously when there's a passenger in the car, there will be the heightened um, requirements there, but my problem was this: I, I want the in, you know innocent person, whether it's the driver of the vehicle, you know the ride-sharing vehicle, the passengers, the other pedestrians, you know the other drivers. I wanted to be a bright line of who where the responsibility for the insurance coverage laid. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's uh, so you've got a number of uh, health insurers and other insurers in your state. Uh, have they? Have you had any insurer that's uh, been uh, caught with uh, some a cybersecurity threat or some breach of their security protocol? Well, we were certainly with the Anthem uh, breach that it certainly impacted Kentucky and greatly impacted Kentucky. We Anthem has been a major carrier there, and uh, about quite frankly, about half of our population uh, fell into the bucket for Kentucky. So it's something certainly we're monitoring and. We're participating as all of the, uh, the states and jurisdictions are on the uh, multi-state exam that's going on. Yeah. Are there any issues going on uh, with regard to producer licensing or market regulation in your state that, that your producers across uh, Kentucky you'd want them to, be, to know about or, or be aware of? Well, it's, uh, we have got a very healthy market in Kentucky. I'm very thankful for that and um, a very good uh, uh, producer uh, market uh, relationship. The concern that has been in the past, obviously, the last two or three years has been the role of the navigators, as it has in the other states, and and making sure that lines aren't crossed and uh, that the proper advice is given. But uh, I think that has kind of evened out some, and uh, um, it, it's been a challenge for our producers to enroll folks, and I know that a lot of the Medicaid expansion, Kentucky's Medicaid expansion, mm -hmm. that has had an impact on producers because people mm -hmm. who qualify for that have been coming to the producers and mm -hmm. putting them in a difficult situation because obviously they're not paid to assist those folks. Yeah. But I think the producers have stepped up to the plate and have taken that time to go ahead and provide some guidance to those individuals yeah. as well. So. You know, our primary audience with Insurance Radio News mm -hmm. is producers across the state. Uh, if you had just a minute to, to deliver a message to every producer in the state, what would you want them to know about the department and <clears throat> about the commission and, uh, and their positions there in, in Kentucky? Well, I guess I would say the same thing that I do at every producer meeting that I'm invited to speak. And, uh, you know, the producer is, that, as I said, the face and the soul of the insurance company. When a disaster hits, a lot of times people don't even know the company that they have business with. They might, well, I've got it with Joe Brown down on Main Street. 
and that tells something about the relationship they have. So, the producer must, you know, be keep informed, know about the new products, be able to communicate in a good way, and keep that relationship solid because they, a producer, has a major impact on the financial stability of that family. But I do want to congratulate. Um, Producers to me are very precious, and I value the role that they have. What's the best thing about being the commissioner of insurance in Kentucky? I think it's getting to. First of all, I'd say getting to work with my DOI family. You know, I don't. That's what I call us. We're a family back there. But I also know it's it's wonderful to be able to work in a governmental role where you actually know you're touching people's lives. You know, there's a lot of important state government positions. They might not ever talk to a citizen. They might not ever realize, you know, the impact. But on a day-to-day basis, we know that we're having a positive impact yeah. on our Kentuckians. Yeah. Say the next time our listeners are in uh, uh, Kentucky, uh, in uh, around the capital, what would be the best restaurant, or what do you? What's the cuisine? of uh, preference uh, that your your community is known for? Well, I guess we're a southern comfort food. And, you know, a lot of people might think Kentucky's kind of a Midwest, you know, where our location is, but it is uh, southern comfort food. And I guess I would I would have to tell, well, I have, uh, have up your ear, is that if they want to come to Kentucky, the food might be different, but I would encourage them to, uh, we have a variety of bourbon. And a little known, I'll leave you with this. Kentucky is a population of 4.6 million people, but at any time we have 5.3 million barrels of bourbon aging. So (laughs) come and visit us, and we've got more than enough to go around and share. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Say that I uh, know the Kentucky Derby is coming up uh, here real soon. Uh, does the Department of Insurance have like a box seat uh, at the, oh, in the front row for the Kentucky No, Air? no, no, no. Uh, no we're uh, we're simple uh, state government workers. So uh, there might be some people. There's uh, usually two experiences at the Derby. One is the infield experience that you usually have when you're younger, and it is a uh, uh, much more laid back and casual. And then of course we have the fancy experience that people see on the TV with the Derby hats and whatever. Um, I've been able to experience both, but usually on Derby weekend I'm doing yard work, and then I come in and watch the race and yeah. enjoy it. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure there's quite a crowd. Uh, it grows each year, um, breaks the record each year. It's supposed to, uh, uh, last year I think it was about 155,000 Kentucky. Um, this Saturday is supposed to be 74 degrees and sunny, so I think the record will be broken once again. Yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, Commissioner, it's been a pleasure having you with us on the program today, and uh, we appreciate uh, you being here, and good luck with your meetings today. Thank you for coming. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Oh, hi. You're still listening. Well, here at Insurance Radio, we love having personal conversations with the most successful executives and regulators in the financial industry. If you know an individual who you think would be a great guest for our program, you can find our email and phone number at our website, insuranceradio.com.